unique yet common sense opinions on sports. This is Jeff Allen Sports Talk. Coming up on this episode, a privilege to welcome Frank Murtaugh of the Memphis Flyer and Memphis Magazine. He's one of my contacts for the AAC report that I do on the Nightline Sports Network. And we'll talk about a variety of topics with Frank. He is standing by in the virtual green room and will join us in just a moment. And of course, one of the things we definitely will touch upon will be the passing of great Dodgers broadcaster and as well as national sports broadcaster Vin Scully. Passed away at the age of 94 yesterday. And, you know, Vin is one of those guys, the soundtrack of many people's youth, many generations of youth, spanning all the way back to the 1950s with the Brooklyn Dodgers. And, of course, synonymous with his uh, Dodger affiliation, but was also a prominent network broadcaster with both CBS and NBC. And interestingly enough, uh, I was going to play a few cuts here. Uh, First thing I'm going to play, which often pains me a little bit because Finn Scully called The Catch by Dwight Clark when the San Francisco 49ers upset the Dallas Cowboys in the playoffs in 1982. You know, people think of Vin as such a baseball guy, but uh, he was definitely outstanding as a football play-by-play guy. And ironically, at one point, CBS was debating him or Pat Summerall to be the number one play-by-play guy. They had broken up Pat Summerall and Tom Brookshire because they were going to drink themselves to death. And they had John Madden on the rise. And ultimately, I think they made the right call with John Madden paired with Pat Summerall. Pat a little bit more laid back to give Madden the room he needed. Uh, But they wouldn't have gone wrong with Vin Scully either. And again, as I said, he was tremendous at football, as you'll hear right here. And you'll notice uh, the first great thing about Vince Gulley, he captures the moment very succinctly, and he dumps out, lets you hear the crowd. So obviously the most famous call, especially for our generation, is the Kirk Gibson home run when the Dodgers upset the Oakland A's in the World Series. And this was a big, big moment He was facing Dennis Eckersley on the mound, and it was a long bat, a long battle between two great players, and uh, more drama than you could uh, shake a stick at. And uh, here's a little bit of the lead-up, and then the actual play-by-play call of Vince Scully calling the dramatic Kirk Gibson shot. So Mike Davis, the tying run is at second base with two out. Now the Dodgers don't need the muscle of Gibson as much as a base hit. And on deck is the leadoff man, Steve Sachs. 
Just one of many, 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 many great things that uh, Vin Scully called in baseball. All the championships with the Dodgers. You know, Don Larson's perfect game in the World Series, he called that. And uh, again, uh, just amazing stuff as he made that call, the Gibson home run, as uh, the lead announcer for baseball on NBC. And the next clip I'm going to play you, uh, you know, Vin Scully also called Hank Aaron's 715th home run. Now, of course, Milo Hamilton, who was the Braves broadcaster at the time, his calls very, very synonymous. But it's also interesting that the other team's broadcaster's call of that is just as big. You know, so Vin Scully calling a dramatic moment uh, of Hank Aaron's 715th home run. And uh, he was explaining here to Bally Sports, you know, we talked about, you know, when to drop out. And he explains here why silence is such an important part of his call. Well, you know, uh, it started actually when I was about eight years old growing up in New York. And there wasn't very much around those times, maybe a Saturday afternoon college football game. And I would crawl under a radio and listen to the game. And it had no meaning to me, Tennessee, Alabama. But the crowd would roar and that crowd noise just absolutely intoxicated me. And so I've always kept it. And uh, Henry's home run, Gibson's home run, all throughout my career, I like to call a play and then shut up because for a brief moment, I'm eight years old again. I'm listening to the crowd. And of course, with Henry, whom I loved, he was such a nice man. I mean, a superstar going under all kinds of pressure. He always had time to say hello. And I I really did enjoy him. And I was so happy for him when he did it on our air, you know, that at least we had the chance. And that's when I, uh, I let it go for however long. And I stood there thinking about the impact. And the more I thought about it, that's what I said when the crowd died down about what a great moment, not just for Henry, not just for the Braves, not just for baseball. This was the greatest impacted home run sociologically. I mean, here is a black man in the deep south getting an absolute love ovation for breaking the record of a white icon. To me, that's what made that home run the most important home run that I ever called. 67 years as a a broadcaster with the Los Angeles Brooklyn Dodgers and uh, many great network exploits. One of the all-time greats to ever do it. Vin Scully passing away at the age of 94. And uh, we'll pause for a brief moment of silence.
All right, and now my pleasure to welcome back to the show a friend of mine from the AAC Report on the Nightline Sports Network as he comes on often to talk uh, about the Memphis Tigers, but he is also great at talk at all sports. Frank Murtaugh of Memphis Magazine and the Memphis Flyer is here with us. Frank, good to have you back. Jeff, it's been a while. Good to hear, hear your voice. Yes, good to... How you doing? I'm doing great. Great to talk to you again as well. And, uh, of course, uh, you know, we had uh, exchanged ideas on things to talk about. And, and since that time, you know, we learned of Vin Scully passing away overnight. And, uh, you know, certainly, you know, a, an icon, a goat when it comes to broadcasting, not just baseball, but other things. But uh, what are your first uh, initial thoughts on, on Vin Scully? Yeah, I got a couple of, of important connections to share with you, Jeff. Um, the first one it goes all the way back to 1974, and you'll remember uh, the Dodgers and Vince Scully were in Atlanta when Hank Aaron broke Babe Ruth's home run record, and a uh, very famous call. And it's a poignant time for me because my my little sister, my only sibling, was born on March 29th, 1974, exactly 10 days before. Aaron broke that record, and um, you know, and I was I was five at the time. I I didn't watch that broadcast. Have no memory at the time uh, of Vin Scully, um, you know, broadcasting that seminal moment in uh, in sports history. But the recordings that we've seen, we've all seen since, and you know, his description of a a standing ovation for a, a black man in the deep south. You know, I'm paraphrasing. It's just so powerful, and uh, particularly with the the social climate, we've had to. Uh, endure over the last two or three years with a lot of um, a lot of heartache uh, when it comes to race in America. Vin Scully was was way ahead of his time and um, captured that moment, but but did it in sort of the you know the Vin Scully way that this was just that this um, this was organic. Um, a, a great man did a great thing, and um, and and we were all witness you know through through our eyes, but also through Vin Scully's voice. And then Jeff, you know, five years later, my family moved to Southern California. Um, we we were there from 1979 to 82, uh, and I was 10 years old by that time. So you think back to when you're 10, 11, 12 years old. You know, those of us who grew up uh, with baseball, that's when we're just, you know, our, our 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 brains are bursting with with curiosity and and interest and excitement. Uh, you know, the, the cards and and the stories and. And, uh, you know, and, and just the, the live action. And for three years out there, Jeff, I got to listen to Vin Scully, you know, whether it was radio or, you know, he did he did simulcasts, you know, TV broadcasts with the local, you know, Dodger affiliate. And I just I didn't know how great I had it. But that Vin Scully seeped into my baseball consciousness um, at a young age. Uh, and I find myself here, you know, now 53, so, so grateful for it. And I, I don't think I'd be the baseball fan and, and the lover of the sport I am were it not for, for Vin Scully seeping into my, my uh, consciousness as he did, uh, as he did so subtly, <laughs> you know, 40-plus uh, um, years ago. You know, you watch, you'd watch Harry Carey, another, you know, broadcasting icon, and there was nothing subtle ever about Harry Carey. And we, you know, you and I grew up with TBS and, and Harry's son, Skip, and Pete Van Weeren and Ernie Johnson, great broadcasters, and, you know, they felt like family. But Vin Scully was, he was just always the, the, the voice that just, you know, for me, was, it was Pavlovian. I, if I heard Vin Scully's voice, baseball was being played, and that just, that always improved my mood, and, and, and does to this day. Yeah, before I brought you on, I played, I played a couple of cuts, one of them being the Kirk Gibson home run. And what I find so telling about that call 
was, you know, the runners steal second. And at that point, it's a great pit uh, duel between Eckersley and Gibson. You know, it's a 3-2 right. count. And he's fouling pitches off. And, right. and, and he quickly points out, well, at this point, they don't need the power of Gibson. Just a base hit would do. And sure enough, you know, Gibson hits the home run. He makes the quick call. And then he drops out and lets the crowd tell you the rest. Yes. And uh, and I, I found a clip on Twitter today uh, when he was talking to uh, uh, talking to Chip Carey uh, on his uh, retirement tour uh, when he came through a, when when they were out in L.A. rather. And he, he talked about how the, the silence, you know, he was just drawn to crowd noise himself. He wanted to hear it himself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that sounds like like Vin always, always understated. I, I read a quote uh, on numerous social media mentions I saw today about his description of Stan Musial, the, the the you know cardinal icon of icons, and he was asked how good was Stan Musial, and he says Stan Musial was so good he took your breath away. And what is that? You know, eight or nine words, and it just it it it, it allows you to not just you know consider who and, and what Stan Musial did, but, but to imagine, you know, he was, he was good enough to take your breath away. I, I find the, the subtlety of Vin Scully, and, you know, it, there's somewhat, it's, it's somewhat ironic, Jeff, because he was a tremendous storyteller. You know, during, there was no one better during a rain delay than Vin Scully. You know, the stories he could, he could access, the, the people he crossed paths with in or out of baseball, but yet he just wasn't, he wasn't in love with the word or the, the multisyllables. He, he didn't want to, want to try and, you know, professor you uh, when it comes to the, the sport of baseball. He was just there sort of in your, your den, your living room, your, your car if you're driving, um, sharing sharing tales. And, yeah, as you say, he, he would let the environment of baseball live, um, live through the, whatever you know, broadcast medium you happen to be using. Um, he's, you know, Vince, Vince he's a po- he was a poet. Vince Gully was a poet who, Chose as his medium a microphone and, and baseball games, but he was nothing short of a poet, if you ask me. Yeah, and, you know, and, and perfect for baseball too, because you know that sport has more dead spots than the other sports do. So you got to be yeah. able to fill the time. But yet he would just go simple and short with his words in the moment. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Imagining Vince Scully describing a, an NBA game or NHL game is I, I, my my brain turns around. It just, it, it wouldn't happen. You know, you're right. Uh, b- baseball, dead moments or quiet moments. Um, I-, I like to call them breathing moments. You know that, that there is time for consideration between pitches, or between innings, or or if there is a delay. You know, it, <laughs> I-, I chuckle because Vin Scully was also a master at reading lips. This is something I learned from watching the, the television broadcasts in California. He would read the lips of the likes of Tommy Lasorda, who he would have to skip over. <laughs> you know, every other word that would be an expletive, but Vin Scully would would. Would, would sort of translate for you the discussion between a manager and an umpire on uh, the debate of the, the moment, and he'd do it in his own inimitable way. Um, yeah, he, he's just, uh, he's going to be missed, and, and those of us who were able to listen to him, uh, TV or, or radio, we just, we got to consider ourselves uh, blessed, because they're, they're, you know, we lived in the time of Vince Scully. I'm very grateful to be able to say that. Yeah, and you know, and you brought up the Hank Aaron call, which was interesting, because usually... Those iconic moments, it's the home team's broadcast call that lives That's on right. infamy. Now, Milo Hamilton's call was great, and it does you know, live up there as well. But for the opposing team's call to be just as spectacularly known 
is yeah. is kind of rare. <laughs> yeah, and, and and just for Vin to 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 access the the, the societal moment again, uh, a standing ovation for a black man in the Deep South. This is 1974, six years after Martin Luther King had been assassinated uh, in, in the Deep South, and you know it, this was a the culmination of a of of several years of Hank Aaron having to to deal with bitter racism in the form of letters coming to uh, you know the, the Braves clubhouse and, and who knows what other forms he faced just you know walking around being Hank Aaron and for Vince Scully to to point out that there's there's something beautiful here happening and there there's love being exchanged um, in, in in the form of, of that standing ovation in that moment that will will always I think be the most famous home run any any baseball player hits you know whatever records you know may may be broken in the future uh, was was hugely powerful and 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 he he knew it he knew it at the time but was able to to kind of convey it um subtly and softly yeah and of course he you know was a uh, on the network level doing the uh, golf uh baseball he did the nfl in fact you know right. as much as it pains us being cowboy fans to watch the catch by dwight clark uh he was on the call for that and at one time there was a debate at CBS who their top play-by-play guy was going to be, Vin Scully or Pat Summerall, which is... <laughs> you know, that's that's a, that's a funny memory jog, uh, Jeff. That, that was a horribly painful um, afternoon, you're right, for a, a Cowboy fan. And I, I had forgotten that, that Vin was on, on the call for that. I My association with him is almost entirely baseball. Um, he's, you know, he was clearly a professional and could, could go into other areas, but... Um, yeah, he. he I, I wonder how that went. I wonder if he would have enjoyed being uh, being the main guy on, on NFL broadcasts. I, he seems, he just seems like uh, like baseball then to me, and um, I, I'm I'm sure he had no regrets with the way his his um, his later years turned out. Yeah, actually, if you look uh, out there on, in the YouTube uh, Twitterverse, uh, there's a clip from when he was on Rich Eisen talking about you know calling the Dwight Clark catch, and he kind of felt like he peaked as a football announcer and it's like okay i can walk away from this now <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> uh so it was, that's one definition of peak <laughs> yeah yeah so it, but he didn't have any regrets you know obviously baseball was was his true love and and right. and you know he knew he was going to be doing that for a lifetime but uh but yeah the you know the story goes that uh you know because they had broken up summerall and brookshire as the broadcast true because they were, you know, they were trying to outdrink each other. So they had to split them apart. Yeah. And then, you know, they did kind of some rotation with, with, with Madden and Hank Stram and, and, and whatnot. And so they were seriously considering Vin as the number one voice. But, uh, but, you know, as things work out, you know, uh, Summerall was the right call to pair with Madden. I mean, they were yin and yang. It was perfect. So it worked Absolutely. out well. It worked out well for everybody. But it's it's but it just goes to show you how good he was at the broadcasting craft. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was incredible. Yeah, you know, legends find their lane, and, and Pat Summerall is a legend of, of NFL broadcast. Of course, John Madden became one. Um, yeah, but but Vin Scully, uh, he's you know, it, it's also wonderful that his attachment is with such an iconic franchise too, the Dodgers. I think I think about him starting in Brooklyn. You know, broadcasting games in which Jackie Robinson played, and then, then you know the LA years and, and a lot of great years, a lot of great teams out there. Um, not not winning championships all the time. We we know it took the Dodgers a long time between you know, 1988 and and winning the the 2020 World Series. 
Um, but it was always uh, it was always been there, and that, that's a great association. I think there are Dodger fans that if they were putting together a Rushmore, you know, they'd, they'd have Jackie Robinson and Sandy Koufax. A lot of them weren't Vince Scully <laughs> up on that mountain of, of four great Dodgers. He, he was that much uh, a part of that franchise. Most definitely. Uh, he certainly, uh, you know, left a great legacy, and uh, may he rest in peace for sure. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, so... Let's talk about your Cardinals. I know you're a diehard Cardinals fan. Um, what's your take on where they're at at this point in the season? And you know, do do you are you upset that they didn't go hard after Soto or or not? No, yeah, I'm not upset, uh, Jeff. I, I was intrigued. Obviously, you know that this the the, the Soto uh, rumor mill was was uh, remarkable. Just in that, you know, how many 23 year old superstars even exist and and b how many of them are then offered uh to the highest bidder um i I, you know i I went into it um you know not not really expecting st louis to to pony up john mosaic if anything he is a man scarred by the deal that sent randy rosarena to tampa bay to become a world series hero and then uh, rookie of the year uh two years ago so he's not going to be parting with with minor league prospects um very easily these days um i you know the more i read about it and and the number of prospects that you know san diego ended up sending and trying to translate that into what what it would have been for a cardinals package i I wouldn't be on board for that uh you know soto's gonna um fulfill the remaining two plus years of his contract and then he's going into free agency and then, then the bidding is really gonna be you know insane uh you know right now the the padres have a trio unlike any other in in the sport um if you're you're talking about a healthy fernando tatis jr manny machado and juan soto uh the cardinals have a very very good team uh they're not among the national league's elite i think there are three elite national league teams right now the the mets braves and, and dodgers the padres have closed the gap um the cardinals i think improved themselves um, and they're they're starting pitching additions, and they they've just got to hope that with some health and the right kind of run, um, you know, some some fun can be had in October. There, you know, if the Cardinals make it into the postseason, Jeff, they're going to be playing one of those best of three opening uh, round series, and that that's a matter of having your your starting rotation healthy. With um, you know, you you need three capable pitchers. I think they're closer to that now than they were 48 hours ago. And um, had they acquired Soto, subtracted several prospects, and had the status quo with their starting rotation, I'm not sure they'd be as prepared for that um, that best of three series. And uh, so, yeah, I'm able to sleep. You know, one Soto would have been a lot of fun in a Cardinals uniform. But, um, you know, again, I, 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 I don't – I wouldn't want the Cardinals to have packaged what I see San Diego having packaged and sent east. Yeah, it was quite a haul for uh, for sure. So huge. Yeah, so you know, you look at, at where the Cardinals are at. You know, the division is still in play for them. They're in play for the wild card. Uh, so lots can happen between uh, now and the end of the regular season. So it is interesting, you know, to see how that'll that'll transpire. Uh, winning the division certainly would be a, a, a better potential road for them, but uh, you never know. Right, yeah, you, you know, you win your division, you at least get those three games at home in the first round. There's, you know, I, I think it's it hasn't been spoken enough because this is the first year we're going through it, but I, I think those buys are, are huge. It used to be a really big deal in the NFL when you, you had those two teams that got a buy, now it's only one. But the two teams, and it's going to come, it's going to be the Dodgers and then whoever wins the National League East. 
in the National League. Those two teams that get to skip that opening round series, set up their starting rotation uh, for a best of five, um, just a huge advantage I see. And, you know, you're going to have teams that, that survive those those opening round series. Who knows how their pitching is going to line up? It's uh, it, it's a different battle to get to the World Series for those, those clubs. Um, um, but, yeah, the, the Cardinals are in a position with this watered-down central division. And, you know, the Brewers – traded a, a cardinal menace in, in josh hader i i don't care what what he's looked like the last month josh hader was uh um was kryptonite to, to cardinal batters uh, traded him to san diego so you know the path of that division in my eyes for st louis is a little a little shorter um we'll just have to see yeah and you and, and you never know what's going to happen come the postseason because you know you look at uh you look at the braves and you know you look at what will smith did last year in the playoffs and he's traded this year because right. he's, he's having a terrible season. <laughs> it, it, it's so strange. I think that speaks to how uh, how loaded Atlanta is. I, you know, I, I uh, suffered through a four-game series uh, that played with the Cardinals uh, last month, and I, I don't see any weakness on, on the Braves roster. You know, the, the four components, hitting, fielding, starting pitching, bullpen, they, they excel in all four. I, I see no reason that Atlanta – could not win the World Series again. Um, I, I think the trouble is you—you you actually do have some some elite teams, uh, you know, that they're going to have to go through. That starting with the Mets, if Jacob Degrom being healthy, you put Jacob Degrom and Max Scherzer at the front of a rotation in any series. That's scary stuff, and and we know the Dodgers how deep they are, and and now you know on the outskirts, sort of San Diego, and if if they realize the potential of, of a Soto Tatis. Machado, uh, Troika, uh, that that could that could make things uh, dangerous too. Yeah, it's 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 going to be quite a battle. That's that's for sure. You know, and yeah, you know, I tell you, one of the things I do like about the Braves that uh, you know has certainly uh, bodes well not just for this year but future seasons. They just locked up Austin Riley uh, to a long term wow. contract. He and you know he's an MVP candidate this year. And you look at all the guys they have under their control. Over the next several years, with Acuna yes. and all these, you know, now with Riley, uh, you know, I can I can see potentially Dansby Swanson being locked up for a long time, and then you know they've got they've got the pitching, so it is it it is quite interesting to see, you know, it's it's almost a, a throwback to the old days that you're going to be able to keep a core group of guys together for a long time. Yeah, yeah, they're they're scary good. You, you didn't even mention Matt Olson. And, yeah, <laughs> and I, I thought I thought they were so savvy in in what they did with uh, the the Freeman Olson transition. There are, there are twenty nine other teams that would love to have Matt Olson uh, in the middle of their order, and the Braves, you know, snatched him. You know, actually before officially losing Freeman, it was just it was brilliant. Uh, we saw what what they did last year in recharging that outfield just in time. Um, they were a 500 club this time of year last year, Jeff, and they they were better than I think we all knew on paper the Braves were better than they had performed, and then they rose, you know, to to their their talent level, and here we're seeing them, you know, you know, four months into the season, playing to that level, and you know Austin Riley, he's he's essentially a Memphis kid, grew up in South Haven, just south of us. Um, I I didn't see this coming, you know, he was a kid, he he posed for the cover of a local magazine we published uh, three years ago, and, and I'm I'm. I'm putting that magazine somewhere special. Uh, he's uh, he, he's an amazing talent. Uh, looks like you can just lock him into you know third base for however long that contract is, then some, and he's going to produce. Uh, and, and those those are rarities in the modern game. Uh, a guy who can 
hit the ball over the wall and also you know bat 300 that that's Austin Riley yeah it's a yeah it's quite a quite a boom he has had uh you know because he you know when he came up as a rookie you know he was like the natural hitting home runs every other day and then the league figured him out and then right. and then he had to go to work and then uh the best thing he had happen was Chipper Jones took an interest and he listened to Chipper Jones, apparently. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a wise thing to do, obviously. Uh, but but don't underestimate that the adjustment the young man made. As you described, it's there. How many over the course of our lives? How many, you know, flashes in the pan have we seen that the, the you know the May sensations that come up and oh my God, this guy has hit you know ten home runs in five games, whatever it may be, uh, and. Um, they, they pan out or, or they, they fade and, and Riley had somewhat of a fade, but, but he's come back and is just uh, he's just a dynamite player. You know, I, I, Acuna gets more ink. Ozzy Albies gets more ink. That may change in the near future. Uh, Riley is, if anything, he's, you know, older Braves fans that, that remember Eddie Matthews. That's the kind of ball player Austin Riley appears to me, to, appears to be to me. And uh, having another Eddie Matthews here in the, in the 2020s would be very healthy for the Atlanta Braves. Yeah, no question. So uh, let's delve on a couple other sports topics. So I find this one particularly interesting. Deshaun Watson, the Cleveland Browns quarterback, gets the six-game suspension, quite lower than a lot of people thought, for uh, his troubles uh, with sexual assault, uh, etc. Um, you know, and I, I, I saw I saw a little thing out on Twitter. You know, it's like, okay, so... Calvin Ridley gets a year for gambling, and I forget the other player's name who got like two years for smoking pot. So the guy yeah. with the weed gets the worst. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's ugly. Uh, it's ugly, Jeff. Um, especially in the you know the 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 Me Too age we're living in now. I I, I thought there would be an initial you know a larger uh, penalty, a longer suspension. It seems the NFL clearly. You know, would prefer a longer suspension. Now, I, I'm a little confused over the the third party component of all this. You know, the judge making a decision, and now the NFL is stepping in to appeal it, which seems backwards. Um, but uh, you know, Watson's a very good quarterback, um, and that has value. We know uh, now to the Cleveland Browns. Um, you know, if if one or two people came out and said Frank Martin misbehaved, I, I think I could. You know, step up, and you know you you've got uh, a case to make. If twenty four people come out and say that that you know Frank Martin has misbehaved is not not right, that that's a lot more than smoke. And um, for what it is, what we're talking about sexual assault here, you know, which can be measured in various ways, but is is none of them are attractive or acceptable. Um, you know, twenty four cases. I think he settled twenty one or twenty two of them. Mm-hmm. If I'm not mistaken, Jeff. Yeah, uh, that's an acknowledgement that something went on should not have gone on Deshaun Watson shouldn't be you know entertaining football fans on Sundays not for a while you know I I found myself looking back at the, the Michael Vick case Jeff and mm. you know that involved you know federal prison for for Vick who was if I'm not, I I believe he was a bigger star at the time than Deshaun Watson is now Michael Vick was taking the NFL by storm as yep. a Falcon you know he rushing for a thousand yards as a quarterback he was he was the it guy and uh, right right prime career to jail he goes for uh, for a, a dog fighting ring and and I'm not going to make light of that either you know that that was that that's just that's horrendous behavior uh, he paid a penalty I believe he should but it was uh, you know it was misbehavior to, to animals in this case we're talking about human beings uh, being being human should not be a single man and 
so I, you know, I, I guess I could use of getting on a, on a, on a moral soapbox, but I, you know, charge me, charge me as guilty. It, it seems it's, it's unseemly. The NFL doesn't need it. You know, I, that, that's why with, with, with the NFL and all its financial weight, I wonder why they even dance around this, why it's not just a Roger Goodell decision, but, um, uh, we'll have to see how it unfolds. It's it's ugly, though. I, ho- I hope it doesn't steal headlines from, you know, the month of August, which is when we're supposed to be studying rosters and figuring out who can who can get to the Super Bowl. Yeah, and of course, you know, you look back, you know, you, and you hate to presume somebody guilty, you know, without having to go through all the proper channels and everything Absolutely. like that. But on the other hand, you have to look at the old adage, there's a lot of smoke coming out of, of that fire, right? 24, and, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean and, it's just... And even if you say half of them are just, uh, you know, going after his money and it's not true, right. <laughs> that's still right. a big number. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Jeff. And let, let's go even further. If only one of the women is is being truthful, one, that, that's a crime. Yeah. You know, let, let's, let's, not, let's not dumb down sexual assault. One, one sexual assault is too many. Mm-hmm. We're talking about 24 cases here. I, you know, I, I again, I, I didn't sit in the grand jury that, you know, that, that dismissed the charges. Uh, who, who knows? Uh, these are massage parlors. Who knows? But um, I, I do know this young man settled, uh, I believe, 22 of the cases, uh, you know, with, with um, you know, in financial settlements. That doesn't, that doesn't suggest he's innocent. And, um, yeah, it's... It's a it's a seedy story, to, yeah. to say the least. It really is, but then you can also look at the fact, you know, people that have uh, financial means are able yep. to avoid these types. You know, Robert Kraft would be another right. example, right? <laughs> That's right. Yeah, there there have been more than more than one case. Uh, you know, I uh, there, there's a there's a Bill Cosby um, tone to all this. You know, it finally caught up with with Cosby. Um, and, and God knows, you know, Cosby was more popular, more famous, more loved than Deshaun Watson uh, ever will be. Um, and it finally caught up with him. Uh, this, uh, it just there are there there are behaviors you can't tolerate. We can't tolerate as, as you know civilized human beings. And um, you know, I, you just you, you hope for justice uh, for, for the the aggrieved parties, you know, whatever that may be. Yeah, no question. And, uh, you know, speaking of beloved figures, you know, we, uh, you know, lost another sports legend this week in the great Bill Russell, the former Boston Celtic great, um, you know, man won 11 championships. <laughs> That's incredible. <laughs> yeah. 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 Jeff, uh, you know, I, I'm, we're both a little young to have seen Bill Russell you know, play during his prime. Um, so I grew up with my dad's stories, uh, but you know, I, I I've done enough homework and done enough reading over my my days. You, you look back at the NBA legends, Wilt Chamberlain. He's known for that hundred point game and just breaking every scoring and rebounding record in the book. Oscar Robertson, uh, he averaged a triple double, just you know, just all around super talent. You know, a little bit later, Julius Irving and his high flying dunks. Pete Maravich passing the ball between every limb and around every limb. Bill Russell is known for winning. I mean, that, that's that's Bill Russell's thing. He, he won 11 championships in 13 years, to, to say nothing of a couple of college titles at the University of San Francisco. And I find that so powerful and poignant here in, in 2022 when we want to parse everything down to, you know, you know analytics, be it, you know, in baseball, war, uh, you know, whatever it may be. And Bill Russell is just known for those 11 rings. And, you know... It, it, I hope you and I can somehow 
be remembered after we're gone for something as grand. I mean, if, if we can approximate being remembered the way Bill Russell is going to be remembered, and it's not even his his largest impact. He was a he was a civil rights icon and activist, and he's he's influenced generations of NBA players since he retired. He's uh, just a an extraordinary human being, and, I, and I'm glad he lived 88 years. What a life! He um, he remained healthy uh, for the most part till the end, and we should all be so lucky. Yeah, and you know, not just all the championships. I mean, you know, he was the guy that brought the lunch pail. I mean, he he did his he did his dues on defense, right? And in in you know, oftentimes they talk about players. You know, could they have played in this era and all that? And he would be like one of my exhibit A's because. He was wow. smarter than everybody else. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, again, b- back to my father telling me stories about how Bill Russell, he- he'd block your shot, but what he'd do is he'd block it to a teammate of his. <laughs> you know, he-, he wasn't interested in sending it into the fifth row. He was interested in, in starting a fast break with a blocked shot. He was, uh, you know, again, and I- I've seen some some clips we both have. They're, they're black and white. Uh, he was he was a difference maker on the defensive end. And, um uh, if I'm not mistaken, he won the MVP five times, four or five times. So yeah. it's, it's not like he was ignored by the, the media and the voters in the 1960s, and the late 50s, to um, when he was when he was, you know, administering his greatness all over the NBA. But it, it, he wasn't your 30 point a game guy, and uh, he, he didn't need to be. He had so much talent around him. I, I think we need to remember you, you don't win 11 championships by yourself. Uh, Red Auerbach, those Celtics teams. Just look at the list of Hall of Famers they have, and the the number of re, of retired numbers they have hanging in the in their arena for crying out loud. Lots of legends through there, but it it it's centered around Bill Russell. You know, Russell, um, he, he was the centerpiece, and and you know then coached the team for crying out loud for his last two titles. He was a player coach, so <laughs> that's not going to happen again. He's um, it's hard to it's hard to find a singular uh, uh, sports figure anymore because the you know the, we've we've had generations follow. Those who, who came to um, um, came to our highlight reels in the in the middle twentieth century, but Bill Russell was singular. That there'll never be another. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. Yeah, and you talked about him coaching the, the last two years. You, because you figure, all right, he's replacing a legend coach in Red Auerbach, but of course, it helps to be your own best player. <laughs> right. Oh yeah, absolutely. And, and don't forget, Jeff, that he was a black man coaching the first black coach in the NBA, coaching in Boston, a, a city that you know. I lived in Boston four years. I love Boston. It has not been the most racially tolerant city in American history, and so. And I know Russell, you know, dealt with. We talked about Hank Aaron earlier. Bill Russell dealt with with racism too, and um, to, to do it the way he did with uh, grace, but also uh, you know a firm form of, of stoicism and um, and and determination to make things better. I, I find uh, I find really powerful, and he, he's just he's uh, he, he's a legend. Let's, let's not. Toss that word around easily, but Bill Russell's a legend who I think will. Um, it's hard for that legend to grow based on what you and I have discussed right here, but he, he's uh, uh, he, he'll never be forgotten. Yeah, and he was a really good broadcaster too. He was the, he was, the, the, yeah. the lead analyst at CBS. And what I always remember about him is he had that big, hearty laugh. It would just bring a smile yes. to your face. <laughs> <laughs> big, huge smile, gorgeous smile. He, he would wear that. He had his goatee which went gray and, and a big bright smile uh bill russell and i think there's some irony there too because i think bill russell also had had some fury in him and i think if you were on the wrong side of, of bill russell that was not a place to be but uh he um yeah yeah just an incredible human being to say the least yeah 
Well, Frank, as always, I've enjoyed the, our discussion. And uh, before I let you go, uh, let's get some shameless plugs in for uh, the endeavors that you're involved with. Yeah, sure. Thanks, Jeff. Uh, yeah, you can read my, my sports writing at memphisflyer.com. Um, I, I cover baseball during baseball season. Then when football and basketball come along, I shift gears. Uh, I'm, I'm still trying to sell my novel, Trey's Company. It's a coming-of-age story. Uh, if you like Stand By Me or, or The Sandlot, uh, those films, it's along, along that genre. Uh, coming-of-age tale about a boy in, a, in the summer of 1982, um, set in the American South. So, Praise Company, you can find it on Amazon.com. I, I'd love to have readers, love to hear from your listeners who might like it. Um, so uh, I, I guess I'll use that as my plug. Find Trace Company. It's your, 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 your easiest book retailer, and, and uh, uh, the author will be appreciative. Yes, and coming soon to a podcast platform near you, he will also be uh, talking Memphis Tigers with me on my AAC show on the Nightline Sports Network uh, before long Absolutely. when we get deep into the heart of football season. Frank, as always, appreciate it. Thank you, Jeff. I appreciate it. Well, as we mentioned, uh, again, in reflection of Ben Scully, I decided to break this out. The NBC baseball theme from back in the Ben Scully era. You just picture him and Joe Garagiola setting up to do a broadcast of play-by-play in heaven. <laughs> So again, another bit of homage to Ben Scully. As we close out things on this week's show, play this out a little bit. And with that, we are done here. Thanks for listening to Jeff Allen Sports Talk. Follow Jeff on Twitter at JeffAllen underscore 88, on Facebook at JeffAllen88, and the website JeffAllenSportsTalk.com. And you can reach out to the show anytime by email, JeffAllenSportsTalk at gmail.com. Jeff Allen Sports Talk is brought to you exclusively by Kramer's Salve for Dogs. Does your dog itch, suffer from debilitating skin allergies, or trouble hot spots? We have the solution using the healing power of neem. Kramer's Salve is a safe and natural approach to help your best friend live an itch-free life. Go to KramerSalve.net to order today with new low pricing. That's K-R-A-M-E-R-S-A-L-V-E dot net.